Hello and welcome to another episode of Tales in Our Times, your favorite little book podcast. My name is George. I'm Janet. Hi. Also called Mum. And it's a beautiful day in the book world today. Um, what are you reading, Mum? So um, I'm reading a book that I'm, it's, I'm going back to it. Uh, I think I might have brought it up before and said I stopped reading it because it was too terrifying. I think so. <laughs> but I picked it up again in light of what we're talking about today. It's called uh, The Boy Who Drew Monsters by Keith Donahue. Um, mm. And yeah, that's where I am. What are you reading? I am reading It Came From The Closet, Queer Writings on... Oh, it's actually Queer Reflections on Horror. Also very topical uh, for today's episode. If you haven't guessed it already, you can give yourself a little pat on the back when you get there. Um, I love... <laughs> I'm not going to talk too much about this essay collection. I'm really very into it. I, I love it so much. Uh, I bought a copy for my sister for her birthday. Um but uh, I w- it's it'll it'll come up later on, so yes. I'll, I'll leave. That. Don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Let's all take it easy. Looking into the news, we do have some uh, also on topic, and now we're really beating the beating the subject to death. But uh, yeah, R.L. Stein is working on a new edition of his comic with Adam Gorham, Stuff of Nightmares. This new one is called Stuff of Nightmares: Red Murder. Uh, I hadn't heard about this one until we did this research. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check it out. Um, and then two other sort of big names in the horror scene. Paul Tremblay, known for his books uh, Head Full of Ghosts and The Cabinet at the End of the World, most recently adapted into a film with a terrible name translation that I will not repeat. Um, he's releasing a collection of short stories entitled The Beast You Are. I don't know about you. I love short story collections. I'm such a sucker for them, so I'm really looking forward to that one. You don't like them? Well, uh, short stories, I... So here's the thing. It depends. No, I can we read. Can't. We don't have to. I don't mean. Well, I don't mind a short story if it's presented like that. But when I've um, sometimes you've got books that people have written like full length novels. And so you get used to them writing a full length novel. And then I see their name on something. I'm like, oh, great. Another book by so and so. And then it's a collection of short stories or essays. And I'm like, Meh, that's not going to work for me. I don't think. Wow, I, I I'm the exact opposite. I I I love the opportunity to get multiple narratives out of an author I like. Um, I mean, the anyway, other thing. So, sorry. No, go ahead. Please tell me the other thing. The other thing is, of course, with short stories, they're like snacks. They're like literary yeah. snacks. So, yeah, I will say that I appreciate that. I'm a, I'm a big snacker, so you know, give me some. Reading cheese balls, I'm sorted. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> look forward to Paul Tremblay's uh, short story collection coming out. I think this month, uh, July that is. Um, and also, oh, David Cronenberg just finished filming on his new film, The Shrouds. That's not a book, but if you're into scary stuff, into horror as a genre. Um, that's probably something you're going to want to check out. I am pretty excited about it. Cronenberg's movies make me very uncomfortable. Um, but that's what I got in the genre. What you got for me, Mum? 
Okay. Um, well, seeing as this isn't my genre of choice, I'm not going to say anything about that, which is why today I think we'll be hearing George speak a lot, just saying. Um, but Yeah, kind of warn them in case they want to skip to the next one. Yeah, maybe. Uh, a new strength that we have... <laughs> I thought I was pitching you off a softball to be, like, very nice to me, but that's fair. Oh, sorry, back up. No, obviously, George, we like to hear your voice all the time. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Mike, if you could just cut all that out, that'd be great. <laughs> Don't do that, Mike. Um, a new thread <laughs> that we have been following since we started doing these recordings, um, the WGA strike is going into its third month this week. And the... Still going strong. Yeah. And to add some weight to that, there are some um, SAG members, the Screen Actors Guild. SAG, in case you didn't know that, I didn't know that. It's like I wasn't familiar with the Writers Guild of America, and I kept thinking it was WAG. And then we'd have WAG and SAG, which we thought was quite funny. I like rhymes. Anyway, sorry. Oh, yeah. SAG could be spouses and girlfriends. That's like gender neutral. (laughs) You could have a girlfriend or you could have a spouse. Yeah. Anyway. But so and some notable names that came up when I was uh, listening to this particular article on radio. Um, Errol Streep and Jennifer Lawrence have both said that they are going to strike. So, you know, I mean, maybe they're just out of work, which wouldn't really count as striking. But you know. <laughs> We love the support. Bottom uh, line. We do. Solidarity forever. And who knows, by the time you're listening to this, this might be, you know, already kicked off. Uh, SAG after might have might have begun their strike. Um, Maybe so. I mean, so. And I think when we visited this in previous recordings, we keep saying, oh, hopefully it'll be resolved next time we look at it. Well, it's not resolved yet. So on we go. Hopefully you are listening to this in the future when it is resolved and writers are getting paid buku bucks. Exactly. Um, but un- until then, we will leave the <laughs> horror story in our current economic state and take a look at some other horror stories. That's right, my erudite listener friend. You guessed it. We're talking about scary stuff. Oh, that's weird. stuff. <laughs> Snappy intro, George. I like that. Thanks. I've been practicing a lot in D&D. Sweet. Um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wanted to talk about horror. Um, I say we, I mean me. I, I, I am such a huge horror nut, and um, it's it's become one of the main genres that I read. Um, so we thought we would break down some of the history behind that and talk about our experiences with horror reading. Mom, what about yeah. you? What are your experiences with horror? Limited. <laughs> Fair. I'll be honest, it's not my bag, baby. Um, <laughs> I So, but having said that, once you and I started talking about it, I did come up with a few things that I have read that may well have been considered horror. I mean, The Boy Who Drew Monsters that I'm reading at the moment is definitely horrifying. Um, it's about this family who've got like a weird history and they have this holiday home which they end up going to live in and Mm -hmm. the son of the family um starts having nightmares and things and then he's out driving to school i think one day at the beginning of the book and his dad slams on the brakes because he thinks he sees essentially it's inferred but the idea you get is there was this monster went in front of the car and um it's like 
the dad, I'm not sure if it's the dad, I've actually got it in front of me because I didn't want to forget the details, but um, the, I'm not sure if it's the dad or the kid says, did you see that? Yeah, the dad says, did you see that? And the kid was like, ah, oh, something, something's out there, something's on the road. And it's like, it's like twist, it's, it's like little, like the narratives within the story are like that all the way through. It's all sort of like, everything's fine, we're going to school. No, it's a monster! <laughs> you know, and Jeez, I, I, that scared me. <laughs> yeah, and it scared me, and I am determined to finish it. But So this is a scary book that I've read. Um, I also, you and I were talking about some more sort of relatively modern horror books like I read a picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, which I think is more um, unsettling, perhaps, than scary. I'm, I'm not sure about mm, that. Creeping, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then also um, we're talking about a book that comes from where my family hails. I don't know if that makes sense, actually. It's probably bad English. but like, oh, yeah. in, Was it The Witch of Pendle? What is it? It's called, well, the, the book that I read which was written about um, the witches of Pendle, which is Northwest Lancashire in England. And it was the 16th century, I think, when they had witch trials there. And mm. so there's a well-known novel that was written in the 1950s by an author called Robert Neal called Mist Over Pendle. And so it's his interpretation of what happened. But when you read it, you get a clear uh, impression that, you know, these were just women who were living outside society and maybe offering like herbal remedies and things. And, and it wasn't, um, and there's like this one main, uh, character who's sort of from, um, accepted society, if you like this, uh, female character mm. and she starts getting involved with them and everybody kind of gives her grief. But, um, I think that sort of leads into, uh, maybe where horror came from, you know, people want this sort of, outcast group or individual or whatever that they can demonize but yeah so there you go that's my experience of horror it's not my favorite but i've done a bit <laughs> well as as ever you have kind of managed to enter the conversation like saying yeah i don't really know anything about horror and then by the end of what you're talking about like distilled it to its very essence so i guess you've read enough um i actually think that puts us in a great place to kind of look into the history of it. Um, because that thing you said about just like wanting to demonize other people is like, so on the money. Um, anyway, so like, so like looking at horror history, right? Looking at the history of horror lit, um, there's bits and pieces early on in the early aughts, like the original early aughts, like 1000, um, you know, there are like folkloric and religious traditions that you see, you know, you have to deal with deaths and, you know, in religion, there's kind of often, uh, an antagonist. Oh, well, so I was just thinking like, um, if we go back to one of our first recordings and you did that, um, research on like ancient myths and mythology and things, and how they created these stories to explain things that were happening in the world. Mm -hmm. This kind of links into that, but also has taken it one step further, if you like, so that you poo your pants. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the reason we do it. It's yeah. a lot of fun to make people soil themselves. 
And that is a fun <laughs> prank. Um, uh, <laughs> is it? <laughs> I, <laughs> I might have to like, cut this out after it's ended. I used to have a friend who, if she laughed too hard, she would pee. And every yeah. now and then, you could kind of tell, like, oh, if I no! keep making jokes, they're going to pee themselves. And it's like, yeah, I've got to make her keep laughing. Them I mean, old um, ladies do that, too. Whether they're yeah, laughing or not. I laugh so hard. We'll just cut all that out. You put air horns over all that. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> looking Damn. back, we have so we have all that folkloric. We have all that religious stuff. Um, ancient Rome. You see Pliny the Younger writes uh, like some ghost stories. Um, stories by William of Malmesbury. Malmesbury, uh, like the Witch of Berkeley. Yeah, go ahead. Give him the pronunciation for real. Um, Malmesbury. Thank you. Um, and also, my brother used to date somebody from there. That's that's why I'm familiar with it. Oh, was she a witch of Berkeley? She went to be a nurse. So oh, so medicine. Once woman, upon a time, kind of. maybe. Yeah. You know. We hate it when ladies know things. Oh gosh. Evil witch. I um, love it when ladies know things. But go on. <laughs> well, I only have lady doctors. I don't have men. Yeah. I that might go on the list for things that might get tattooed on my collarbone. So I love it when ladies know things. That's <laughs> what a funny tattoo to get in like Harley, like you know, Devil's Angels or what is it? Hell's Angels. Hell's Angels, not de- um, <laughs> Devil's Angels. Devil's I bet Angels. there are Devil's Angels. That's pretty. That's a that's a horror story title right there. Wow, we're off the rails today. Um, yeah, it's Saturday. <laughs> We've recorded on it a is. Saturday. That's right why. now. It's Saturday. Yeah, yeah. The beginning of July Fourth weekend. Um, uh, oh, and we, there's also like a bunch of werewolf stories in medieval France, um, just like commissioned by nobility. I don't really know what that's about. Um, othering hairy people, I guess. Uh, oh, fun fact, actually, um, one of those stories, a poem called uh, Guillaume de Palarm, um, also known as William of Palarm. Uh, was it that's a commission that was made for um countess Yola, uh yolande in the year 1200 and its translation into william and the werewolf in english is cited as the first use of singular they in written english whoa so that's, that's the very year 1200 it is very interesting because that's a non-binary um pronoun yeah oh my god and it goes all Horror the way back is- what happened so queer anyway um but (laughs) so like there's all this there are all these pieces falling into place right and and when they really kind of collapse and compile into like the start of the horror genre is in the 15th century because we have people who actually kind of in the in the public eye are demonized like like with good reason there is like an uh, active um reasoning for the, the that thought process you know dracula based on prince of wallachia vlad the third uh infamous for war crimes he was a real um, person yes and a real murderer um likewise the murder spree of uh gilderai i don't know if i'm saying that right um is rumored to have inspired the tale of bluebeard which is like oh, one of the ugh, it's gross yeah i can't even 
uh, Carmen Maria Machado talks a lot about Bluebeard in um, in the Dreamhouse. Dreamhouse. She talks about how everyone blames the wives for not running away. Um, but also, so another one from that time period, the idea of the vampiress is in the image of the Countess Elizabeth Bathory, alleged serial murderer and bather in blood. For oh, nice. That skincare routine, you know. Yeah, nice. I love a bit of iron in my skin, you know. Oh. that. Yeah, some Jury is potentially out on her because she might have just been a lady. Like, it might have been a political kill the woman. But there are a lot of recorded testimony from the time period of, like, mutilated women's bodies. So Around yeah. her. Yeah. In the like there was the castle. Blood on her shoes. Yeah, and her face, yeah. her all her skin. Flesh on her front doorstep, things like that. Oh yeah, she had a. It was weird. She had a. She had a freezer box only full of meat. There was. It was the go, winter. Everyone else was eating grain. It was like, oh, that's that's really weird. Like she goes to the She go to the grocery store and be like, "Excuse me, ma'am, ma'am, you've got some TB on your shoe." Oh no, it's just somebody's ear. Sorry. Gross. <laughs> Yeah, but if you've ever seen like a picture of a rich lady getting out of a bathtub full of blood, that's Elizabeth Bathory. That's the image that that comes from. So we had like real monsters, real right? People. And that is sort of how we got some of the more famous uh, or or more proliferated um, monster stories. Okay. And then it, we really get to the good stuff in the 18th century because of romanticism. I love Gotta it. Gotta get. Yeah, gotta get sexy with it one time. Um, that's how just, we get just one time, one time, and then and then Justin Timberlake <laughs> can bring it back, and then fumble it spectacularly right after that. Um, but no, so in the 18th century, romanticism leads us into gothic horror, um, properly kicked off by Horace Walpole's The Castle of Otranto, um, inspired by a nightmare he had while in this country house. Uh, wow. he, he, yeah, it's like the first like haunted mansion story. And it also is credited with developing like all of the imagery we think of as gothic, you know. Oh, spires and yes, castle looking things. Yeah, yeah gargoyles. Yeah. Gothic. Um, so that, that was like the big kickoff. Um, and then throughout the later 18th century and, and, uh, through the 19th century that kind of inspired a ton of writers uh, early on it was a lot of women authors notably uh, it was it was marketed towards women and it was a lot of stories about resourceful like damsels not in so much distress making their way through haunted castles you know because they were smarter than every other character they met what's up well so question like I'm not being dirty or anything but okay. If you're saying, like, the, a lot of these stories were uh, marketed towards women, did you say that? Yeah. Or, okay. I wonder if it was a kind of, like, not soft porn, but sort of like, you know... I mean, a little bit, yeah. A romanticized sort of way of um, feeding a need within women that they couldn't... that wasn't easily accessible at that time because they weren't supposed to be, you know, desiring anything... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think certainly the... I mean, I don't know, right? I don't know how much of the 
the goth like the haunted mansion part it was like sexualized in that way Mm -hmm. but definitely like it was it was a here you are in this crisis situation having to just figure it out by yourself yeah heaving breasts as well (laughs) but like that was more romanticism than it was gothic horror um but as we get into the 19th century that kind of develops outward and it and it you know stops being specifically marketed in that way and we have authors like William Thomas Beckford, Clara Reese, Anne Radcliffe, Mary Shelley, the goat, Bram Stoker, yeah, Dracula. Frankenstein, Dracula, Edgar Allan Poe, the Raven, the Raven, um, I've Robert Louis that. Stevenson. Can you tell me what Robert Louis Stevenson was from? I know who Robert Louis Stevenson. I can't think of anything horrific because didn't he write Treasure Island? Mm-hmm. But also. Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, that's... So that brings us into the 19th century, and we start seeing things like The Vampire by Joan Polidori, uh, Sleepy Hollow from Washington Irving, (laughs) uh, previously mentioned Oscar Wilde's Portrait of Dorian Gray, uh, H.G. Wells' The Invisible Man. We really blow up for the first time in the 19th century. Um... Then in the early 20th century, cheap periodicals means you can serialize horror stories everywhere. You can see them anywhere at any time. Um, And that carried us into the 60s and 70s when the success of three books kind of pushed publishers to focus on the genre. It was Rosemary's Baby by Ira uh, Levin, The Exorcist by Peter Blatty, and The Other by uh, Thomas Tryon. And that was sort of the wave that brings us into Stephen King's era. And that's alongside Anne Rice, Clive Barker, Ramsey Campbell. Like, you know, there are, it's, I think once, once you get into the 20th century, it starts becoming really prolific. Um, and, you know, the rise of horror movies has something to do with it, too. But that's not really what we talk about. Yeah. I mean, and I will say that when, as a um, young adult, or older teenager, um, I was looking for stuff to read. I wouldn't look for horror, but things that people would say to me, oh, you have to read, were things like Stephen King and Anne Rice. And I have never, I have to be honest, I've never read either of those authors. So, um, you know, that's just me. I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Stephen King. He's got some weird, you know, he was on so much cocaine for a while. Um, <laughs> But I do, I like Anne Rice. Uh, I just recently did, um, not interview, but The Witching Hour. Um, I like that one. It's long. She tells stories inside of stories, and I'll be honest, I'm over it. But it is really well written. Um, And it's quite scary. Um, I think, yeah, I don't even know what made me start picking up horror books. Actually, I think I do. I think it was How to Disappear Completely and Never Be Found. Do you remember that book? No, but I did just think of another one that used to read. So we had a brief conversation earlier about YA horror and, you know, R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. Um, and then we talked a little bit about, you know, YA, uh, Dracula things, um, Vladimir oh, Todd. Yeah. 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 But Twilight, do you remember Spring Hill Jack? Oh, yeah. Whoa. That is a kind of classic. He's Spring-Eeled Jack-O. He is I don't know. Scary. You tell me. 
I, I, I don't um, know. That feels a little bit like a... I think he's like more like a superhero. Legend. Yeah, he's kind of cool. Um, but people... I mean, wasn't like the premise of the story, though, kind of like, you know, you better be scared of spring Jack. Yeah, he was, he was demonized, certainly. Yeah, there's a great bit of horror writing that I'll have to source later, so, you know, just to make sure we're on our P's and Q's, but that says, like, the... Defin- the defining feature of a horror narrative is the monster. There has to be a monster because there it's all about othering. There has to be like an other. Um, and we talked about this a lot um, prior to recording just about the the ways in which there are multiple viewpoints to relate to in horror stories because, yeah. you, if, you know, you relate to the protagonist because you're frightened and you know, depending on what's going on in your life, maybe it's, like, nice to see that reflected. Like, if you are going through trauma and then you get to witness other characters survive trauma, that's very gratifying. Um, Alternatively, if you are othered by the culture that you exist in, seeing a representation of an other who totally kills all of the mainstream culture members of the cast might feel really good in a different way. Like, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think that was something I hadn't thought of until you brought it up, actually, is that um, horror is a good way of allowing readers to see themselves not as you know, in an environment where they're not the other, where, you know, oh, other people have felt this or, you know, and we've talked about that in narrative writing generally in the past, the fact that, you know, if authors can create narratives that reflect individuals' life experience or whatever, then that's got to be a good thing, you know? Um, And so, and if it can be, you know, like I say, I, I don't mean to be a little bit sad sack, but horror is not my thing. But um, okay. if, it, if it works in that way that you just described, then fair play. You know, you can't you can't argue with that. Um, I did just going back to my YA thing, because, you know, that's where I function most of the time. Um, there was a series called The Janitors. Um hmm. Which I'm not sure whether it would be considered as horror. It was like this kid goes to school, he goes to a new school, his dad's disappeared, and he figures out that the janitors in his school are all monsters. Hmm. Um, and I read, I think I read like the first three of those. Yeah. Um, but I'd have to look at it again to see whether or not they'd actually fall into the horror genre, but they were really well written books. And, um, so that's just an aside. And then something else. Um, and you might, you know, um, Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, yeah. Now, that was turned into YA literature as well. Yeah, and you I, told me about that. I read the first couple of those, and they were pretty terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's is very scary. You know? And, and as books, because I was reading them with, like, fourth and fifth graders, and I find them scary, you know, these flipping six foot, you know, animated metal monsters. Yeah. I thought that was pretty scary. So, yeah, they're awful. They're terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thinking I was just thinking real quick about more um, like YA horror stuff. So 
how to disappear completely and never be found was definitely marketed to me as a young reader. But then also, I was thinking about the adventures of the Bailey School kids. Do you remember those? Vampires yeah, yeah. don't, or Dracula doesn't drink lemonade. Zombies uh, don't play soccer. Vampires don't wear polka dots. I mean, it's like maybe it was like a monster of the week series. Yeah, yeah, because they were never baddies, but they were always like scared of them for a little bit. And there was a, a monster, like you know, Scooby Doo. Yeah, it was kind of well. Scooby Doo is another great horror narrative that we can't even get into. <laughs> We don't um, even have times to talk about. No, time no, to talk about we Scooby don't. Do. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't. Um, uh, <laughs> but that—that's well um, included there, George, because I hadn't even thought about the, the Bailey school, kid, Bailey kids, Bailey school kids, Bailey school kids. Yeah, that—that mm-hmm. yeah. that was completely gone from my mind. So yeah, fair play. I mean, and so we've talked about some different examples. It's amazing how much when you start talking about it, you can actually start um, thinking, oh yeah, what about this? That fits in there, that fits in there. But um, I think it's something that I've taken away from our conversations about this genre is, um, and you've already said it really, but the fact that um, a lot of writing um, works because authors demonize a specific event or a specific individual and it's like mm. the sort of social fabric of, of having a right and a wrong. And this mm-hmm. is a scary thing. And this is not a scary thing. And I think horror kind of takes that to the extreme. Like, because it's not just, oh, this is a bad thing. I feel a bit uncomfortable. Somebody caught me picking my nose or something. This <laughs> is like, oh, my goodness, somebody's going to come and rip your throat out. You know? Yeah. It's like the difference between anxiety and terror right like yeah. you can yeah yeah there are so many great filler thriller thriller uh narratives Sorry. um no you're right it's my it was my instinct as well um <laughs> but that don't include monsters you know what i mean first of all that yeah. song should have been called horror but cuz it's where I remember the mu- did you see the music video to that where it's all are, do you think so little of me that you think I've well, never I'm well I'm assuming you do but video. I mean you know Michael Jackson yeah. R.I.P um, it was a long time ago though so I mean I would have had to yeah and I am a baby yeah you are a youngster yeah. there, so. I'm 12 years um, old in my mind you'll always be 12 <laughs> no in Damn. my mind you'll always be like 2 years old because you're so cute I'm sorry this podcast is over um <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I think uh, something else that uh, you mentioned earlier as well is that, so we established that horror is taking you to that point where, you know, you're absolutely terrified, not just a little nervous or anything. Um, but that it, it's kind of a fun thing. It's a, I mean, for you, not, you know. <laughs> not for I, me. Yeah. Well, because repeating again, um, it's it's not my yeah. genre of choice. Although obviously, I've read a lot more horror than I give myself credit for when we start talking about it. But you said yourself, um, it's kind of fun to be there on the edge of your seat, like, oh yeah. my god, what's going to happen it's, next? Yeah, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable to be scared, and it's also it's a safe way to confront taboo. You know what I mean? Like, um, I. I really love body horror because, well, not, I don't know about because, I'm not a psychologist, but, like, 
one of the things that I appreciate about body horror is that like I have a lot of fear around physical harm and like illness and stuff. Like, you know, I, I sometimes get so anxious that it comes out in my body, like my body changes because yeah. of, um, and I get sick and stuff. So like, I love body horror because it's like, yeah, sometimes the body can revolt and, and that's true. That is a real horrifying. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but like what, what reading it in a safe space gives you is the opportunity to go, okay, thank you very much. I'm done reading that shit. No, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I put it away. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a safe space to confront things that you don't see in your everyday like the, the the extremes in that way and as we always say you know it's entertainment i mean it, it yeah mm-hmm. solid entertainment um do you wanna um i know i'm always clock watching but somebody needs to do you want to move into our because i know you had something to say about the future of horror narratives yeah, I I just wanted to give like big shouts to how much high quality horror there is on the market right now. Um, just off the top of my head, things that I've read recently that blow my mind: uh, Gretchen Felker Martin's Manhunt, um, crazy uh, post apocalyptic zombie story where everyone with testosterone turns into a mindless rage filled zombie. It's a story of two trans women trying to find enough estrogen to survive the rest of their days without succumbing <laughs> to this testosterone-based disease. You know, uh, incredible story. Very horrifying. Um, Stephen Graham Jones, My Heart is a Chainsaw, The Only Good Indians. Very good. Um, really good, like, native perspective uh, horror that is also just, like... Man, he's such a historian. Like he he puts so many references and like there's there's such a love for the genre. I really I'm a huge fan of Stephen Graham Jones's writing. Um uh and then like, you know, the proliferation of uh non uh non-traditional uh narratives, like not just books. If you look to like manga, you can find Junji Ito uh pieces in every bookstore um those are horrifying if you can't stomach disturbing images maybe don't try that one but if you like it go for it um series like uh die dark or dora hedoro both by q hayashida um well can i, I was just gonna say um you know you can do the book list for this episode because you've got so many uh, references <laughs> i'm not gonna remember yeah, just saying <laughs> but um yeah, you know, it's just there's so much high quality horror out there right now. Carmen Maria Machado, another one we wrote about or we spoke about earlier and have brought up on this show a lot. There's there's a lot of great content out there to discover. Um, Spice A Rack, uh, YouTuber, just did a great video called Are We Having Fun Yet? on horror in game narrative, which is like mm. such an interesting concept, talking about like how board games use horror. Um, um. Not this isn't literature, but I do think that it's quite hard. How dare you? We never go off topic. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Do you know? Have you ever watched any of the TV show Black Mirror? Yeah. Some of the stories in that are bloody terrifying. 
yeah some of the ideas that they come up with like futuristic stuff like that one about um where they record every step of your life and you yeah you, they you have to go back and prove that you were where you said you were and they can wipe out parts of your memory oh my gosh that terrifying yeah i i love those series i don't find myself getting scared that often because i don't think not there to the aren't point. as many monsters yes that's you know true. What I mean? that a lot of the evil is like self-perpetuated it's like yeah. the evil of man yeah which is true. valid but just different um yeah it's anyway. not like screaming or wetting yourself or anything yeah it's just like oh wouldn't that be awful yeah um and it is because you know boston whatever what the, whatever that robots lab is called has developed a bunch of cop dogs mm-hmm. and now there are robot cop dogs in new york if you see one put it in a trash can just kidding don't go to jail um so is that true oh yeah robot oh yeah, yeah, yeah. there are robot cop dogs in new york now i didn't know that listen if it makes your ps5 work better maybe you need the parts more um anyway okay uh just looking into the future of horror i think it's you know we're we're getting to an exciting point where people are getting to experiment with form more. Um, a lot of people will have heard of House of Leaves by Mark C. Danielewski. Um, a very different book. It is like literally stepping into a labyrinth. You know, there are spirals of text that you have to follow or like small corners that the text is crammed into. You're shaking your head. It's so good. I know, but it sounds like it would stretch my imagination beyond where I would be capable of. Oh, don't don't I, count yourself out. I think I think you'd really like it. But also, you know, you can make a choice for that to be the case. I'm choosing that just now. <laughs> True. <laughs> but anyway, so that's I. You know, that's a little uh, intro into horror and sort of where we where we hope it'll head towards. And I have to say that um, I really like the. Uh, research you did on this George looking at how it developed um throughout history um because I think we're at a point now where basically anything goes you yeah know? right whereas I could imagine you know if you go back to like the 19th century or the 16th century there was a lot more restrictions on how graphic you could be so it was a lot mm-hmm. I mean like if you look at, at Dracula or Frankenstein a lot of the fear is inferred it's like setting up this thing it didn't necessarily said and then he leapt on the woman and ripped her bloody throat out do you know what i mean <laughs> it's a lot more subtle whereas i think i'd read that to- book yeah yeah i i think today you know it's all out there if you want it yeah but i think you know it's it's like um it's like trends right you come back around um there are a lot of um, there, this thing between us by Gus Moreno is a, a horror book that I was reading that really oscillates between total nightmare, very like brutal visuals and unexplained creepiness, like just like that staying spookiness. You don't have to raise your hand, you know. I know, but I don't want to interrupt you or cut you off. I'm just going to say, um. You know, the Book of Lost Things? Yes, John Connolly. Now, that wasn't necessarily a horror, but it was quite 
because I read that. It's scary, and there's and there a was, monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's actually why I love that book so much. It's because I of how like it. much it scared me. Um, I was surprised that I liked it, but I did. Yeah, it's a good it's a good fiction. Very like fantastical. It looks at a lot of fairy tale tropes. Um, but yeah, point being, there are like in every genre many many worthwhile narratives in horror um and it serves what we're always preaching about expanding your perspectives because oh i just want to i'll finish this off by by referencing um it came from the closet um i was reading an excellent uh essay the girl the well the ring by zephyr lysowski um, sorry if I mispronounced your name, friend. Uh, but it's all about the ring girl, Samara, and how throughout the entire story of the film, she is, like, you know, she has been disabled by abuse. She has been, like, beaten and murdered. And every time we see her, she's still, like, her body, oh. there's ice on her skin. You know, she's, like, a corpse. She is... And this is like a, a great othering, right? She looks wrong to us. Yeah. And, but instead of no one ever checks in on the child, you know what I mean? No one's ever like, well, now why do you, why do your arms bend like that? That shouldn't, that's, that's not how that, that's not how that's supposed to go. Um, and it's big, you know, it's, it's the examination of the surrounding narrative for that monster is like so profound because she had violence done upon her and then she had it in her body you know and then because it's in there it doles out to the world around her and that's just like that's the story of generational trauma you know if you put violence in into someone that's what you're gonna get out and it's all about like you know recontextualizing how we see those that we define as monstrous or yeah. demonized. Even I mean, the language, demonized, witch hunt, you know, it's all about. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, um, and this is going to be the last thing I said because I'm caught watching again. But, um, yeah. <laughs> one of the reasons I don't particularly like horror films is because it has all those gory graphic images yeah. that um, I don't particularly find appealing. Um but the other thing, what was the last thing you said? Because you triggered something I wanted to share quick and I've forgotten. Now. Talking about the ring girl, talking about passing on violence, generational trauma. Yeah, I, you know, like they say uh, the abused become abusers, you know, and so it, it's a real thing. But, um, yeah, I'm going to stop there because I've forgotten the thought. <laughs> no, you know, violence begets violence. It's like... It's like how one of the one of the this is totally a headcanon and now we really got to stop talking. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, violence begets violence. It's why you can't violence a horror monster to death. <laughs> you ever notice that you chop yeah. the head off, you shoot them, you put they them come on the grinder. Back. They come on back because you're just feeding more violence. Just only violence a flesh machine. wound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Holy Grail. Famous horror narrative. Um <laughs> Yeah, talk about the the horror of monarchy. Am I right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but so yeah, definitely. I think I think it's 
it's so much deeper than a lot of people give it credit for. Um, yes. But yeah, so, you know, go out there, let yourself get scared, let yourself heal from being scared. Um, that's, you know, I love horror for that reason. It's a scary world out there, and it's sometimes a little safer to get scared in a situation you control. Always. If there's ever a choice, be the one in control. That's my advice. <laughs> yeah. Not in when a bad it comes way. To, yeah, mean, when it comes to your your media space. consumption. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Listen to this podcast. <laughs> it's great. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, control. <laughs> Have control over how often you listen to our podcast. You know, whatever. Day. Go um, tell some tales. Go read some tales. Go be horrified, but in a safe space. We love you. See you later.